Picking up with verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, we read this. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men to pay attention to myths and endless and rather than furthering the administration of God. But the goal of our instruction is love and a sincere faith. For some side to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Person, but for those who are lawless and unholy and profane, for those who kill the homosexuals and kidnappers, and contrary to sound teaching, with which I have been entrusted. Father God, you have entrusted me this morning to the proclamation of your word, the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. This morning, you would accomplish, Father, and do good to those in their eyes and their ears to the truth of Amen. This epistle last week, looking at the first couple of verses of chapter 1, in which Paul introduces himself, saying that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus, not by his own authority, but by the command of Jesus, our hope. We've named Timothy. Timothy is a young man. Paul, on his missionary journeys, we read of him, has told Timothy is in order there at that church, a church which Paul had previously planted. He says in verse 3, I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Now, as we will the other things as well. Paul's talking about how ought people to conduct themselves. Turn over with me just a page to chapter 3, verse of the Apostle Paul. Why is he writing to Timothy? He gives us the answer. In case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And that verse, truth in regard to his letter to are those who are bringing on Timothy to teach the truth. Already addressed Timothy in, in the faith. And so we know something about Timothy. Timothy is true. He is not only a believer, but he is a true disciple of Paul. He listens to the words of the apostle, and he seeks to obey the word of God. We find other clues as to the centrality of one of the problems that had arisen in to teach strange doctrine, false, right? as opposed to the goal of our instruction, verse 5, says Paul, is love from a pure or a true heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So as we're working our way down through this passage, truth has a great deal to as we said already in these opening verses, true faith, to defend true doctrine and to cherish a true... First thing we've seen here, and we touched on a true son. That is, he had true biological child. He wasn't. But he was God's child. And as a, God, as, as a child of 
God. He was a true child in the faith. And so this relationship between Timothy and Paul was spiritual. The same can be said. You and I, human level, we are bound together. We are family. So the relationship between these men is, is, is tied together by their common faith in Christ. Timothy is a true son of Paul because he was a true son of God. Perhaps Paul called God Father at the beginning of his epistle to remind this is every believer's great one. See what kind of love the Father, children of to be called a child of God. Not only as our Father, that the Jews weren't used to when Jesus came and started speaking of God as my Father. They were perfectly fine to speak of God as Father in the corporate sense. But in that personal sense, that was something they weren't quite used to. A great deal of difficulty in seeking to understand God as His Father personally. One of us who is born again by the Spirit is of God's fatherly care. And fatherly for true child here in verse 2 refers to natural childbirth. Since Timothy's mother was Jewish, but his father was Greek, Orthodox Jews would have considered Timothy's birth to be illegitimate. Jews would have a word we won't use. Legitimate. Because he is a child of God. He is a, a genuine Christian heir. Timothy, subsequent letter to Timothy, Paul wrote in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Well, Timothy was a true son who taught him the Scripture. Now in Timothy's case, that was his mother was a Greek believer. Didn't have any back that he learned. Men, you are primary, primarily responsible for teaching the Word to your children. You are the spiritual leader in your home. If your wife is picking up the slack, it's because something's gone wrong. But Timothy, godly mothers. The faith from their mothers. Augustine wrote how he constantly throughout his life praying for his salvation. In the confessions, he wrote this, testifying to her faithfulness. My mother, your faithful servant, was weeping for me to you. Weeping more than mothers weep for the bodily deaths of their sons. She had from you, saw the prayer. You heard her and you and watered the ground and prayed. Indeed. Sir J. Gresham Machen, the defender of Christian seminaries, it was him in the Bible and in the Westminster Catechism and in Pilgrim's Progress. As a child, he knew the truths of the Word of God. The influence that mothers hold. Heroes of the faith. Is Timothy was a true child of the faith. Child of Paul. A true child because of the impact that the Word of God had. Now Paul continues to faithfulness as he seeks to minister the Word of God there in the church at Ephesus. And as we move 
into the body of this epistle, the first thing Paul says to his true son is that he must teach. Verse 3 and 4, As I urged you upon may instruct certain men not to tend to myths and genealogies which give rise to the ministration of God, which is by command. That helps text. Timothy was in Ephesus, a city Paul had visited at least twice, once chapter shortly likely but of Paul, and he had placed to the written his epistle. Spoken of regard what is told them. Chapter four, verse twenty-one says, "Make every effort to come all brethren." So there are some those who are with him, particularly as people for Timothy in time. We can Levically to Timothy about things that are true only of a passage. Prince is willing he was to remain on any strange doctrines, strange, different, false. In his letters, Paul all, always Jesus a different chapter and preach. Who call are disturbing even in pizza guy false false one real that biased. And his name is to us. We love the world we, which is the end as if call people to the truth. Truly, us is correct on every point. That's not the case. I'm sure there is something in my When I get to glory, I have been wrong on this and on that. But if I knew where I was wrong, I would correct it. Because I understand and believe that it's important. Scripture speaks truth. I want to know what the truth is. Peter, I'm sorry, Paul, you can see I'm not all the way back yet as I said. Paul says that the truth matters. Men not to teach strange doctrine. Faithful ministers are now not permitted to simply to cleave to that doctrine which God has. One of the reasons why in the academy orthodoxy always devolves into heterodoxy is because in the academy the encouragement is always to and it's hard to do that 2,000 years inevitably inevitably means that eventually eventually you're going to if that's true then there's a reason why church our obligation is to cut that straight course. To proclaim truth according to the canon. We speak of the canon of Scripture. That's the collection of books that... Canon means yardstick. It's a standard. Previously been proclaimed by our standard. Leeway here. We We can't pursue things because they are new and novel and perhaps catch our interest. We need to, as God said through Jeremiah, stay to the old paths. The ancient words. Who were these heterodox? Instead, he ominously... No doubt Timothy knew exactly who, who the God... ...moment. Who knows what God... Oh, it happens. And I know that people come into the church seeking to disrupt things. Seeking to gain authority for themselves. And Paul says that's what's happening here. That's why some people want to teach. 
They want a place of prominence. They want a, they are and to look to them. And there were certain men coming doctrines instruct them not to do that. Genealogies which give rear to rather than furthering the administration by God of God, which is by faith. Now, what were these men teaching? We're told that they were obsessed with myths and endless genealogies. Myths sounds like the stories of the use this term to refer to legend. Even though there was some Ephesus found itself, we refer to the teaching of certain Jewish rectional priests early on who were had priests and rabbis who were professing faith in Christ and they were coming into the church and they were bringing things with them that were not part of the truth of God. We note too that these false teachers desired, we're told, virtually a Jewish context. Texts shed further light written from 125 B.C.D. It's called the Antiquities of Philo. Story from a Pharisaic point of view. And each one ex includes extended genealogies. They go beyond the Scriptures to speculate about the biographies of biblical characters. John Stott describes them as tendentious rewrites of a section of Old Testament of Israel and the law. Additions <coughs> seem to have been thinking along similar, and they made up the rest along the way. The product of imag imagination and spec. In the presence of these false teachers was no surprise to Paul when he made his farewell address to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He warned them what was going to happen. Remember, those were the elders of the same church. Archer. Savage wolves will come in and they won't spare the flock. Speaking disciples after them. And notice the people of God away from happens, isn't it? It's a drawing. It's a wooing. Satan uses this as one of his strategies. If Satan were to just plop himself down there before you with his pitchfork, his tail, and his red suit. But that's not how he He puts a and he gradually, false teachers do. The contemporary church faces the same danger that the church at Ephesus faced. Myths and endless genealogies of the present day are extra-biblical texts which are treated as Scripture. Whether you're looking at the book of Apocrypha, going back a little bit, in the first centuries was fighting against. And you can still run Easter, you're going to find these things. Read the Gospel of Thomas. like. Well, you can read those things. I'm not telling you not to. They're actually pretty interesting. But they're lies. They won't tell you what early Christianity was like. They'll tell you what early Gnosticism was like. Which was a heresy of the earth. They, they always claim to have secrets, right? Brothers and sisters. Or you know, Mormonism. For years. Until Joe Smith finds it with his, you know, spectrum. Should be a warning to you. Because Scripture, the Gospel, 
The truth is not secret. God has given it to anyone, and He wants everyone to know it. That's why we can in the Bible. There's, it arranges the letters of Genesis and according to the author, events predicted by the Bible code. There's all kinds of serious problems with the specific details of this, but the whole approach is misguided. Once again, it is this idea of some kind of secret knowledge. That's what Gnosticism was all about. They would tell you that what Paul said was saying, for that you need to come to us. Of the Scripture. For revelation of them. Right? Yeah, yeah, everybody has the Bible. Directly to me. I want to hear a, thus saith the Lord, to Jim. It's this desire to be special. A desire to have my own personal words. It all God has said in me. I'm not content to be... If you study your Bible, you won't be like everyone else. You learn your Bible well, that will set you apart. And I am talking about believers. Very few of us know our Bible as well as just open the pages of Scripture and learn to lo live accordingly. Times falls into this category as well. Some people seem to something happens in the Middle East. How is this fulfilling Bible prophecy? Well, it's probably not. Or at least not in a way that you're going to be able to discern by comparing what happens in the newspaper about these things. And they're up as Paul discussion. And that's not to the Scripture and use the Scripture rightly. Understand the law. So this was a specific issue concerning the law. There, verse 8. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Realizing the fact that the law is not made for the righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for, the, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is in discipleship. And if you're not coming to discipleship, can I come out and learn. We were talking about what's the purpose of the Word. It's not to give us a standard that we can attain, because we can't. It's to give us something that shows us we can't attain the standard. And so that we need the Gospel. If I read through think I can keep this, what do I do? And seek out His way. The reason the false teachers in Ephesus were unbalanced of the law that is, they Old Testament. But they didn't understand it. And so they couldn't teach it. They were seeking, it seems, to bring people back under the law instead of under grace and the Gospel. Kind of teaching that of a foothold. You can't eat certain things and you can't touch certain things. And the only under the Mosaic law is the liberty that comes through Christ. 
And so Paul elsewhere in his writings, don't, don't allow yourself to be put in bondage by these people who say, do not taste and do not touch. That's not for the Christian. That's not for us. Now there are, uh, is, is to be rightful to focus just before we and gospel. What connotations are brought to that doctrine we've been speaking of? Something negative. It is rigid, inflexible, impractical, probably boring. The last person people want to meet is someone who is going to straighten out their theology. But that's exactly what Paul tells Timothy to do. But notice where he goes with but the goal, what is the goal of our instruction? There are some who spend all kinds of debates and arguments over doctrine. I know there are some of us who are built that way. We love a good argument. We love a good theological debate. But what is the goal of our instruction? It is love. And he puts them together, these things apart from one another. If you do, we need ourselves in the true gospel. For love's sake, brothers and sisters. For love's sake. Because false doctrine kills. False doctrine, like sin, kills and destroys. Truth saves. Is Paul says, from a pure heart, your faith. Do you love your doctrine? That is so focused on doctrine. Do we care about love? Is the truth which we know leading us to love? The better we understand God's grace in Christ, the more our lives should overflow with zeal for the lost and love for the church. Lovers, there is something wrong with either... Scripture doesn't indicate... I don't know how Timothy ended up. His church wandered from the Lord. Letter, a third letter and Second Timothy. It's a short letter to the Ephesian church found in Revelation chapter 2. It's a fascinating letter because it commends the Ephesian church for defending true doctrine says you have tested those who, have, who call them to be false. And yet, someone came an issue. I have abandoned your first love. Focused on their head. This is a reminder to us. True love as well as true faith and true doctrine. And I'm reminded of Paul's question. Who is sufficient for these things? Who is able to defend the truth of God's Word while at the same time living out the love of the Gospel? We can only do that through the saving trance. We might be able to defend the truth without the truth. But God wants it in your life and mine as the Spirit. and truth together. We know God who will use the union of love and Christ to build His, of love and truth rather, to build His kingdom. And I hope you want to be a part of that. I want this church to be a part of that. We will stand on the truth. And but brothers and sisters, 
Love for one another. Love for Christ. I hope and that You will continue to do so. Father, we do pray that You would bring this about in our lives and in our church. That indeed, we would desire to know truth and to live truth, Father, then we will be living love. None of this can happen without You. In the lives of our... Amen. And together...